Christ Community Church, located at 25th and Thomas Avenue in Portsmouth, Ohio. Christ Community meets on Saturday at 5 p.m. and Sunday at 10.30 a.m. For more information, visit www.christcommunity.net or check out our Facebook page. We're studying in Leviticus, and the, the subject we're going to get to today is one that uh, very few people know much about unless you have studied Jewish history or have, are serious about studying your Old Testament. The title that Matthew gave it was The Year of Jubilee and the Coming Eternal Sabbath. I put it at the top there so you would know in the fourth chapter of the book of Genesis, it talks about the beginning of lots of different things. And one of them was that, the, that music was actually begun by a guy named Jubal, J-U-B-A-L. He was uh, proficient, especially in the use of the harp. They called it a lyre, L-Y-R-E, and, uh, and the harp. And, and he... Uh, he he, he taught people how to celebrate with music. People in a good mood will whistle. They will sing. Music is something that, that helps us kind of express the depths of our soul and how we really feel. You listen to country music and you'll find out they're more interested in women, drinking, dogs, and guns. That's country music. And if you go through some of the others and you see a good old boy who likes country music, he's apt to have a pickup truck. He's apt to have a gun rack hanging in the back window. And that's all right with me because I, I like country music. I think I know every song that Hank Williams ever sung. And if we just had time, I would expose you to it. But uh, I won't do that because I have to finish this up. Um, you need to know that in Genesis, where it says that on the seventh day, the one called the Sabbath, which means seventh day, God had finished, he had completed all of his creation in six days. And on the Sabbath day, on the seventh or Sabbath day, the Bible says that he rested. That doesn't mean that he was tired, because that Hebrew word can be translated with three or four other terms. Had they been really specific about translate, they would, they would have used the term he had ceased to cre create because he, it, the job was complete. And, and the word cease to or something like that is a legitimate translation of the Hebrew word. They used the word rest because later on in the Bible, when they started talking about the Sabbath, it was indeed a day of rest. And you're going to see something very interesting, I think, about our culture today and the whole concept of rest. In the 25th chapter of the book, in the first eight verses, he talks about what a Sabbath is, and he applies it both to a week and a year. Because every seventh year was a called a year, a Sabbath year. And you'll run into something just a little bit different in a minute when we get to the year of Jubilee. A year of rejoicing, a year of praising God. It reads, that 25th chapter starts off like this, And the Lord said to Moses on Mount Sinai, Speak to the Israelites and say to them, 
When you enter the land I'm going to give you, the land itself must observe a Sabbath of the Lord. Did you hear what he said? The land itself. Now, what has, here's the way God set things up. That land called the promised land, Israel, was then divided among 12 tribes. Actually, 11 because the, the Levites didn't have a tribe, but they were cared for. And every, at a certain time on the 50th year, 5-0, we'll see why in a minute, if you had been, for whatever reason, separated from that land that you settled on, that your family, your clan settled on, on the 50th year, you went back and reclaimed it at no cost. Because God wanted that those tribes to stay distinct and to live in the area that had been assigned to them by no other than God himself. Keep on reading, because he said, this land... Now, if you were raised in the country like I was, you'll find out that in the last hundred years, we came up with the concept of crop rotation so that the land would have some time of rest. For instance, I learned uh, early on that alfalfa was, my dad considered it to be the best feed that you could have for the cows in particular, and the horses got it too, even though he liked some others for the horses better because of the roughage. You found out that if you just kept that alfalfa patch forever and ever and ever, it got to the place where the land had been sucked of all of its vitality and it wasn't hardly good for anything. You had to replace it with uh, lime and lots of other things. And they didn't have any of that in the New Testament era. So the land itself needed a rest. That's exactly what he's saying. He keeps on saying, for he says, six years, sow your fields, and for six years, prune your vineyards and gather their crops. But in the seventh year, the land is to have a Sabbath of rest. It's a Sabbath to the Lord. Do not sow your fields or prune your vineyards. Do not reap what grows of itself in a harvest of grapes of your untended vines. The land is to have a year of rest. He keeps emphasizing that. This is God's creation. And he's saying, take good care of it. If you read carefully the opening chapters of the book of Genesis, when Adam and Eve were in the garden, they didn't sit around and scratch their behind and pick their teeth. They were told, your job is to prune and to care for the garden itself. They had a job to do. Work is an honorable word, even though it's a four-letter word. Whatever the land yields during the Sabbath year will be food for you, for yourself, your manservants, your maidservants, hired worker, temporary residents who live among you, as well as for your livestock and the wild animals in your land. Whatever the land produces may be eaten. Now, what he's talking about there is, if, I, if we were to have sowed, uh, had used a field here to raise corn for a few years, and one year we didn't, Next year, there would be what my father called wild going. We didn't sow it, 
but it had been seeds had been dropped through harvest and so on and so forth, and so you still had a lot of corn come up. Now they didn't have corn. They didn't have it would have been maize, is what the foreigners call our corn. They would have had two grain crops. The barley crop and the and the uh, and the wheat crop that grew there. And so they're saying, leave it alone. And it's available for the poor people. It's a, you can use it, it but uh, you're not to use it all. Well, keep on reading. He says, then count off seven Sabbaths of years. Okay. One year. And then there's a... Uh, and, and then... And you go two years, three years, four years, five years, six years. That seventh year is called a Sabbath year. So he's saying, count off seven of them. Seven times seven is 49. And the year after that 49th is called the year of Jubilee. And it's going to say some things that really became the basis of a lot of the good things that we enjoy in life even today. Well, let's read it. He says, Count off seven Sabbaths of years, seven times seven years, so that the seventh Sabbaths of the years amount to a period of 49 years. Then have the trumpet sounded. These were these great old big horns off of sheep, wild sheep and goats. Everywhere on the tenth day of the seventh month, on the Day of Atonement, sound the trumpet throughout the land. Consecrate, which means to set apart and make holy. The 50th year, to get this, and proclaim liberty throughout the land to all its inhabitants. He'd stop there just for a minute. You need to get squarely between your ears. What I think you need there that is really important to me. Aside from your salvation... I suspect that your liberty is the most precious thing that you have in your life. A few years ago, and I just heard from her this past week, a lady who lives in Bethlehem, because there was a time in Bethlehem and Judea where 48% of the city were, not, were at least some kind of a Christian. They have lost their liberty, and now less than 2% of Bethlehem is now Christian. Most of them have migrated out to England, America, and other countries because of they've lost their liberty. And so they've left. Liberty. Here's what really happened. And and you really and and you need in order to kind of get your arms around this, you need to read this entire section on the year of Jubilee of what took place. We don't have time this morning, but I can tell you this. Let's say that uh, William, who sits over here, and I always lean, he, uh, you know, William is is an exceptional human being. He loves Ohio State just a little bit more than he does Kentucky. Just a little, not much, but a little. And if you go out to his funeral home in the back porch where you go in, there's a whole bunch of Ohio State. But over in the corner are the, are the, the memorabilia from Kentucky. Now, he doesn't know this, so don't tell him. Let's plug his ears. Whenever I go out there for a funeral or for a visitation, I go over in the corner and take all the stuff over and put it in the main entrance where they go in. I just feel like the Lord wants me to do that. To, 
help him arrange his priorities. Anyway, the, it, it, I, I just want you to get clear in your mind. See, and, and so if, if let's say that, um, that uh, I owned a piece, I'm Jewish and I own a piece of ground, and I get into financial difficulty. William owns a, a plot next to me. And so I go to William and say, I've got to have some money. Will you give me some money to pay off my debts? He'll pay off my debts, but then I have to work for him to, pay, to repay that. But on the year of Jubilee, I get to go back home debt-free. I'm, that, and when he talks about this, now that doesn't free me from the obligation of paying him because he knows, as another Jewish fellow who reads the Old Testament, that there's a system set up that protects him. And it specifically says, don't take unfair advantage of each other. And, and you know, don't, if you, if, he says, if you sell land to one of your countrymen or buy any from him, this is verse 14, do not take advantage of each other. The Jews in that time, if I were to go to him and were to borrow money and we were friends and neighbors or whatever, he would loan me money without interest. But I still had to pay him back. And that's all spelled out here in this 27th chapter. And so, but the beauty of it is, if you followed carefully what the scripture said, on the year of Jubilee, I got to return to my clan, to the land that the family had owned since the beginning, since they conquered the land and God gave it to us. I got to go back home and I got to start all over again debt free. And so he was, this whole concept was to take care of the poor, take care of the women, take care of the children, take care of the foreigner, take care of the slave, take care of everybody and treat them well. Verse 13 says, and I, I'm reading it here. Well, let me start back and then I'll get to it. It says, the 50th year shall be a jubilee for you. Now, jubilee means to celebrate. There was an old song, country song that was written a few years ago, and I don't remember all the words to it. You should be grateful. That says, we're going to have a jubilee down in Nashville, Tennessee, and we'll be shouting hallelujah all the way. It was, a, And whoever wrote that had a feeling for what the Old Testament taught. So this year of jubilee, it says... The 50th year shall be a jubilee for you. Do not sow, do not reap. What grows of itself of the harvest, an untended vine. For it is a jubilee, and it is to be holy for you. Eat only what is taken directly from the field. In the year of jubilee, everyone is to return to his own property. It's a wonderful thing. Now, the question is... The question that we're going to get to that you'll see here in a little bit. See, Jubilee, that 50th year, was also a Sabbath year. And, and the Sabbath year was a time when you let the land rest. Now, there's more to it than just the land resting. Everything gets to rest. If you go back, there's another reference back here in, in the book of um, of Exodus when Moses was on Mount Horeb and God was speaking to him about Sabbath laws. Listen to what he says. 
For six years you're to sow your fields and harvest the crops, but during the seventh year let the land be unplowed and unused. Then the poor among your people may get food from it, and the wild animals may eat what they leave, and, and like birds and doves and stuff, you know, they come and eat the grain, blah, 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 blah. Do the same, groundhogs too, but we won't talk about it. Do the same with your vineyards and your olive groves. Six days do, uh, do your work, and on the seventh day do not work. That's the week. So that your ox and your donkey may rest. And the slave born in your household and the alien as well may be refreshed. Be careful to do everything I have said to you. Do not invoke the names of other gods. Do not let them be heard from your lips because other gods didn't treat people that way. So he's saying, I was raised on a farm. We never had a tractor. We had two old horses, old Sam, he was the lead, uh, and old Charlie, who was the lead horse. Lead horses on the left, off horse on the right. I remember when I was, and, and Dad took really good care of the animals. All the cows had a name, and that, uh, so I don't have time to get into that, but I can tell you that when I first was allowed to use a Rastus plow, that's three shovel plow, to, and it's got a fender on the side of it where you go, and, and it throws the dirt up against the corn or against the tobacco, because we raised five and a half acres tobacco. Daddy said, okay, now you follow old Charlie, and if you don't know what to do, pay attention to him because he knows more than you do. Because that's all he done. His feet were small, old Sam's were big, and so he, he didn't tramp on as many stuff. And I remember one time when Chuck and I, my middle brother, we were, I had Shirley Kurtz to come in and bale our hay, and they were all square bales then and wrapped with wire, and they were really heavy. We had a wagon load, and Daddy had put a lot of the wag, a lot of the hay in the barn, so it would be easy to get to, to feed the milk cows in the winter. So we had come, we'd been come in from the field, come through a, a gate down the hill, and come through a gap that was right before you cross the road and go in the barn. For whatever reason, he had upset old Charlie. He's the lead horse. When we got to the bottom of the hill, old Charlie balked. Now, balk means that he stopped and he won't, get, he won't move just because you say, get up. He just has said, I ain't moving. So Chuck said, hey, I can fix that. He goes back and gets a fleek of hay. He puts it under old Charlie and lights it. Old Charlie moved up about 15 foot and stopped again, and now he's getting ready to burn down the wagon full of, uh, full of, full of, <laughs> full of hay. Charlie was smarter than we were. It's awful to be dumber than a horse, much less an ox. So he got to crawl under the wagon and do this because my father would not have taken kindly had that happened. So the animals need rest, and my dad made sure that on Sunday they were, that was the day we didn't work on Sunday. Now let me tell you something, folks. I'm going to preach a little now. Most of you do not get enough rest. And most of you aren't aware of the horrible effect of stress that comes as a result of not enough rest. 
Heart trouble? From stress. Strokes? From stress. Dandruff? From stress. Skin, all kinds of skin disease. When I was a freshman in college, I wasn't near as smart as I thought it was. So I was taking 23 hours. I don't know why they let me do it, but I, I credit hours. Because 32 was the full year, and, that, and, and I was taking 23 a, a semester. I was playing basketball and preaching at a little church down in Concord, Kentucky. And all of a sudden, for some unknown reason, I had three or four blisters right at my belt. And they hurt. And they itched. So I go see Mr. Lusbin, and I said, I got to go see a doctor because I don't know what that is. And he looked at it, and he said, he knew. Because they were inflamed nerve endings. There's a name for those. I go, he, he says, I want you to go home. I want you to don't take any books with you. I don't want you to do anything. You just go home and, and rest for a week. And I worked for him out of his office. I had a really tough job. I was to keep the lights on in the girls' dormitory. That ain't a bad job. <laughs> but, you know, I was such a nice guy. They trusted me. <laughs> I heard that snicker. But anyhow, I went home, and Dad sends me up to see Dr. Yelton. He went to our church, and and the old doctors were ornery cusses. And he had me to take off my belt and drop my pants, and he looked at it, and he pinched one of those. And, man, it was like somebody had hit me with an ice pick. He said, nasty little devils, aren't they? I remember clearly what he said. And he said, you need to go home and do nothing, and they'll go away. They were caused because I had, as my daddy said, bit off more than I could chew. That little old place there, especially among older people at times, I have seen women have them around their bra that is just painful. I've seen them on the side of their face, almost into the eyes. They're awful. They're called shingles. And, and it's nearly always caused by undue stress. Now, let me tell you something. My little doctor... I love the guy, and he's, he takes good care of me. But we have differences of opinion about some things. And, but he really looks after me, and, 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 and we've talked about those type things. And, and I have gotten from him his approval for naps. And I take it as though it were the word of God. And I take a nap, and, and the result ha- has been I have more energy. Not as much as though I were 40 years old or so, but I'm telling you, most of you birds would have difficulty keeping up with me. God has blessed me, but a part of it is I have learned to rest. 
And there's a big difference between rest and recreation. We have a tendency to say when we've got a day off, we can go have recreation. That ain't rest. Some of you on a Sunday should never get out of bed. A lot of the family problems are a result of people not getting any rest. You've got three different kids and you run here for this game, run there for that game. You shouldn't have your kids play but one sport and hopefully get good at it and say, no, we need family time and you need rest and we do too. A lot of family tensions between husband and wives. I'm telling you, when I get tired, I get grumpy. And don't sit there with smug look on your face. You're just the same as I am. And some of the glorious fights that Alice Kay and I have had through the years, all to the glory of God, have been as a direct result of both of us being really tired. Because you get grumpy when you get tired. Marriages are destroyed because too much stress and not enough rest. And the Bible has said all along, everybody, even the ground, needs rest. You husbands need to look out for your wife. Working wives, really. Alice Kay drove back and forth to Columbus every day for 14 years. There were times when she was meaner than a striped snake. And that was because she was just worn to a frazzle. I was always sweet and peaceful. <laughs> now, so, so it, it tells us here who needs rest. And I needed to spend some time on that. Now, he says here in verse 10, when we go back to this 25th chapter of the book of Leviticus, proclaim liberty throughout the land. I don't want you to forget that we're going to come back to it in a minute. And when I do, I will be accused of being political. But what I'm going to say has nothing to do with a political party or a political person. It has to do purely and simply with the cause of Christ. And you'll see that, I hope, before I finish because time moves on quickly. Now, why will God say, why would God say, this is what you're to do with the land? He's, he's going to say, because people have a tendency to think that everything we have is ours. Nothing we have is ours. Nothing. Sooner or later, it's going to pass to somebody else. But that's not the point God wants to make when you read this section of, of Scripture. It's not that at all. He specifically spells out why Israel is to treat the land the way they're to treat it. He says... In verse 20, in, 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 back in the 28th verse of the, of the 25th chapter, listen to this carefully. The land must not be sold permanently to anybody because the land is mine. God is saying, and keeps on going, I own it, God said. And people hang on to this because it becomes critical to the problems we're facing today even in our country. 
Because the land is mine, you are but tenant farmers. You know what a tenant farmer is? My dad was that for a long time. We were, he worked for Uncle Robbie for a long time ago. And they, Uncle Robbie gave us a little house to live in. And then finally we moved up to Mr. Lyman Bradford's and, and we raised tobacco, we raised corn, we raised pumpkins, we raised a lot of things. And at the end of the year, all of the money that was made, any profit that was made was divided 50-50. Mr. Br- the owner of the property got half of the tobacco. When tobacco went to sale, he got half of it right then and there. Daddy got to keep half for doing all the work. That's called a tenant farmer. We own nothing. God is saying, the earth, when you read the 24th chapter, the first verse of the book of Psalms, it specifically said, the earth is the Lord's and everything that's in it is his. And, what he, and that concept of a tithe that we talk about all the time, he's saying, since you're tenant farmers, that's what you owe me for using your, everything that I've created. That's where the concept of tithe came from. What God was doing there. And so he was saying, you got to get straight in your mind who owns all this. I'll take good care of you, but you have to do it my way. You have to obey the laws of the kingdom of God for it to work well. Now, I hope that you've got it clear in your mind. You and I own nothing. We are called stewards of the creation that God has brought and made brought into existence. And our responsibility is to take as good a care of it as we can and use it to help the poor, to help our family, so on and so forth. We're to do that. Now then, Let's talk a little bit about that because I, I don't have but about 10 or 12 minutes left and this is going to get, this is where the, the wicket gets sticky. God owns all of this and there have been people since the creation who have been trying to take claim for it. If you look carefully at the fourth chapter of the book of Matthew, that's the recording of the time when Satan tempted Jesus. Satan is a liar, and he tries to win. Now, he doesn't mess with, uh, with sinners. They're already in his corner. He messes with you and me. If he can mess us up, then he can, he's kind of free to get accomplished what he wants to accomplish. Now, listen to what this sucker does when he's talking to Jesus himself. This is in the fourth chapter. We'll go down to verse 8. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this, he said, I will give you if you will bow down and worship me. I'll give it to you. It's mine, Satan is saying. It wasn't. But he was claiming it was his because he's a claim jumper. It's that simple. And Jesus responded by saying, Get away from me, Satan, for it's written, Worship the Lord your God and serve only him. I'm not going to bow down before you. There have been claim jumpers on the kingdom of God ever since. Now then, I want you to pay close attention because I have to move along a little bit here. 
Because this whole thing, if I did it really well, would take probably two or three hours. It's really something that in a college course. Look carefully at what I'm telling you. Here's what I'm going to tell you. There are those in the world, and they are plurality probably, who have a worldview different than what the Bible teaches and what Christians believe. How they view the world. And I've made two little drawings that might help you understand that. Let's throw up the first one. This is called the scientific worldview. It means that we live in a closed universe. That's why the, the, the circle is there. And within that closed universe, there is a natural cause for every effect. And that concept has, has, was really taken from the scriptures when the people who studied science found out that God had created an orderly universe. And in much of our universe, there is a natural cause for every effect. And it's been a blessing in a lot of areas of our world. But what it does is it says that since there's a natural cause for every effect, there is no such thing as miracle. It eliminates that. And if you claim it's a miracle, it's because of stupidity or ignorance or superstition. And if you, were, if you just had your head on straight, well, you wouldn't buy into that nonsense. Now there's a thing called the Christian worldview that we get from scriptures that I hold to. The Christian worldview says this, God created a universe, it meandered along for a long time, but at a certain time, and Galatians 4, 4 says that in the fullness of time, God sent forth his son born under the law. In that fullness of time means when he had all of his ducks in a row. I've referred to that before for you. When everything was just exactly right. I don't have time to get into that, but take my word for it. Everything was just exactly right. God, from outside the universe, penetrated the universe in the person of Jesus Christ. The Christian worldview says that we have been invaded from outside of space in the person of God himself who put on flesh so he could speak to people who have skin on in the flesh, and they would understand it and be able to comprehend it and prepare themselves to live in the kingdom of God, which is eternal. Now, there have been a lot of claim jumpers who belong to that first concept, and the one that you know best is what is, what is one of the isms. If you're my age, the most influential one probably at one time, back in, because I was born in 1937, I remember Pearl Harbor. I remember sitting at home at night and the radio would say, all of the lights have to go out in the house because if the Germans are ever attacked from 10,000 feet, they can see even a candle glowing in a house, so they would have what they call blackouts. And some of you codgers are old enough to remember that. Now, what I'm telling you is Hitler, now listen to me carefully, Hitler was one of those who's dreamed of, a, of, a, of a ruling the world for a thousand years 
under his dictatorship. Hitler, Nazism was what he called it. Nazism is a form, hold on to me now, of socialism. It is a form, and he, if you would read Mein Kampf, you would find out that his, when he wrote all about it, you would see that he believed in, in a type of socialism, but it morphed into a dictatorship of the worst type called Nazism. There was fascism under Mussolini. I don't, I'm just going to mention that and go on. Mussolini was an avowed Democrat. He called himself a democratic socialist before he became a fascist. What you probably don't know that people generally don't, especially the young people who are, who are told, you know, forget history, da-da-da, and they've rewritten some of it, and, and it's tragic but true. Karl Marx wrote a book. He was, by the way, a brilliant Jew who was a philosopher, a political philosopher. And he wrote and developed a concept that we call today communism or socialism. For you see, communism is socialism at the point of a gun. You go to Venezuela, they're still a, a communist country because it's a military dictatorship. You go, and, and so, uh, in the Second World War, the Soviet Union was, became into effect after the Second World War. It was a result of the result of, of, of Marxism influencing Lenin. Lenin, then Stalin, and by the way, Stalin murdered more people than Hitler. Under communism in the Soviet Union, he murdered over 26 million people. 26 million people. Mao Zedong in China. China today is a military dictatorship called communism because it is held into effect by whoever rules, holds the army rules the country. And so it's a military dictatorship called communism. There are all kinds of other things that, that I call claim jumpers because, you see, Marxism said, now, homeless, listen to me carefully, and this is the reason why I'm going to take this stand and keep this stand. I've always held it, so it isn't something new, but I need to say it because the young people are, have been sold a bill of goods that is unbelievable, and so many of them have believed it because some guy's got a Ph.D. next to his name. And it does mean, in some instances, Paul higher and deeper. And today we have Putin, a communist. And under communism, the church is seen as its enemy, and they are about to try to eliminate it. They're saying... They have that closed worldview which says Christ never came into the world. It's all superstition. It's all nonsense. And it needs to be done away with because Marx himself said that Christians are dopes. All religion, he said, is the opiate of the people. That makes you dopes, I think. And that's how he wrote the whole thing off. There's feudalism that was in the old in, in years ago where the king who said he owned everything, there would be soldiers who'd done great things and he would give them 
uh, a, a, parcel of, a parcel of the land to, to rule the way they wanted to, and, and, and that was called feudalism, and then there were the monarchs who claimed they owned everything anyway. And the monarch that we responded to when we became free was George III, the King of England. He wanted us to remain slaves to his kingdom so that he can, if you, some kids here recently have been over to London, I hope they went down to the Tower of London and see the opulence that those people had. Billions of dollars worth of jewels and so on and so forth. What I'm telling you is this, if you agree with me, and I hope that you'll at least give it serious consideration next to your salvation, your liberty that God said is the type that is what's to happen to everybody in the year of Jubilee will prepare you for the Sabbath day of rest when you get to heaven. For you see, when we get to heaven, we're not going to sit around and take it easy. When we get to heaven, the, the, what it really says there is, every, the job is done. There's an old song, what all my trials and labors are, and safe on that beautiful shore, oh, what that will be, glory for me. But you're not going to sit around and float around in the stars. You know, it's, 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 it's not that, and, and we'll talk about heaven some, one of these other days. But here's the deal, folks. Here's the deal. We were set up as a country that guaranteed certain freedoms, one of which was freedom assembly, and the socialists in our country, if you go to a major university and you are a conservative or you are a Christian and you have rented a hall to get, the socialists will come in and scream and holler and not let you say your piece because they are opposed to the constitutional guarantee that we have freedom of assembly and freedom of speech and freedom of religion. And I will support people that I don't even like. Muslims being one of them as far as a religion. I have Muslim friends, but I, I, I really don't like that outfit. But we have freedom of religion, and I'll fight for their freedom to gather and do their thing. Because we live in a country that guarantees freedom. Freedom. I'm telling you. It's a precious commodity that we're about to... And, and, and many older people like me, they'll make promises. Oh, we're going to do this for you. We're going to do that. Kids, we're going to do this for you. They're not going to do any of that. They're not a Christian organization. They're opposed to the Christian principles. One of the Christian principles is try telling the truth once in a while. It won't hurt. And both parties are just absolutely gifted liars. And so you have to make a choice. Are you going to vote your faith that produced the Constitution in this marvelous country? Are you going to listen to a bunch of people who would lie, cheat, and steal because they are servants of the devil himself? I'm telling you, they are. Socialism, communism... Because socialism says that the state owns everything and you are vassals of the state. Believe it or not, under socialism, your children aren't yours, they're the state's. And the socialistic influence that we've had today in a lot of instances have eliminated 
School teachers do not have the authority to control their classroom because these precious little things are supposed to be absolutely pure and, and good and so on. And they're just little old sinners. And they need their butt busted on occasion. I don't believe in beating anybody. I don't, I, I've never beaten a dog or cow. You know, I've verbally beaten my children on occasion. And I'd probably do it again. What I'm trying to tell you is we have to make a choice here, folks, as, as believers. Joshua was confronted with that, and he said, as for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. And I, I think we're stuck there with that same thing. Human government is a good thing and necessary because we're all sinners and we need to be controlled. There needs to be laws because we're just not, we're all broken to a degree. But we need to be aware that the kingdom of God, the principles of the kingdom of God, if we can bring them here on earth, and liberty is one of them, if we can keep it, it's precious. Thank you, Lord, for loving us. Thank you for giving your word where we can see what's in your mind. And as our creator and our savior, we can know what's best because you said it. And we believe it. And we thank you that at least for now, we have the freedom to say the truth, to preach the word, to build your kingdom here on earth even as it is in heaven. Oh, God, help us. Now, before you leave here, I want you to see two things. I want you to see two people who understood what freedom is and how important it is. First one, play it. Free at last, free at last. Thank God Almighty, we are free at last. He knew what freedom was. In the 1300s, there was another man named William Wallace who wanted Scotland to be free from the dictatorship of England. Mel Gibson played that in a film called Brave Heart. Mel Gibson himself is kind of a flake at times. But what he did in the movie as he was dying, you need to walk away here with that image in your mind. God instituted liberty. Love it. You're free to go. Christ Community Church, located at 25th and Thomas Avenue in Portsmouth, Ohio. Christ Community meets on Saturday at 5 p.m. and Sunday at 10.30 a.m. For more information, visit www.christcommunity.net or check out our Facebook page.